Shalom, and welcome to Christians with Torah, the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast. We believe the Torah is relevant for our lives today, God's teachings and instructions. You may very well be part of the first generation to be born again, filled with the Holy Spirit, and have the Torah, a Christian with Torah. Join us as we honor the living God through the study of His Word, topical conversations, and interviews with special guests. Please welcome our hosts, Pastor Nick Plummer and Ryan Cabrera. Shalom, everybody, and welcome to Christians with Torah. That's right. We are Christians with Torah. Just as simple as that. This is the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast, and I am at Beit Tehillah in Studio A with Pastor Nick Plummer. Hey, Pastor Nick. It is so good to be here. Man, it is good to be here, and I'll tell you what, we've got some cool stuff coming up, not the least of which is we have Avi Lipkin coming on July 27th. That's our uh, normal Monday night where we have our um, our Torah study. Avi will be uh, delivering a message that evening. If uh, you don't know who Avi Lipkin is, then I suggest that you look him up, A-V-I, Avi Lipkin, L-I-P-K-I-N. He is an uh, uh, Orthodox Jew from the land of Israel. Uh, his wife for many years worked for the Israeli government, um, basically translating Arab media. And uh, I'll tell you what, the insights and information that this guy has had over the past 30 years coming to Beit Tehillah has just been absolutely awesome. And so I just think that uh, if nothing else, um, you can get uh, some good information from him because he really, really knows kind of some of the backstory about what's going on. And they're all part of the reconciliation of Jews and Gentiles, that family, the Lipkin family. Also, Aaron Lipkin is his son who does Lipkin tours, who we use to take trips to Israel. That's right. That's right. It's the Lipkin tours uh, tour company in Israel. So uh, we are this week studying the Torah portion, Matot, which means tribes, and bum, 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 that's right. It's a double portion, folks. We are also studying Masay, which means journeys. Matot is Numbers chapter 30, verse 2, through chapter 32 and verse 42. And then Masay is Numbers chapter 33, verse 1, and ending at the end of the book of Numbers, chapter 36 and verse 13. That's right. So right out of the gate here, we have, of course, the subject matter of vows. So I'm going to have Ryan read Numbers chapter 30, Verse 2. Once again, we're going to be getting into the word and the subject matter of vows. That's right. It says, If a man vow a vow unto the Lord, or swear an oath to bind his soul with a bond, he shall not break his word. He shall do according to all that proceedeth out of his mouth. Very interesting. So a father could break a vow that his daughter made upon first hearing it. Now we're going to see some examples here of divine order uh, right out of the Bible. Divine order in the family unit. Uh, a husband could break a vow that his wife made upon first hearing it. So uh, very interesting, you know, how you have to be in agreement in your marriage. But once again, uh, the, the husband is going to be responsible for, for all of the vows coming from his house upon hearing it. Uh, could a widow or a divorced woman be held accountable for a vow she made? The answer is yes. Yeah, absolutely. So her covering is God, and she's personally responsible. Right. You know, so that's the thing about the men, you know. Um, There's a lot of children born out of wedlock and different things, you know, uh, a lot of orphans and stuff. But I'll say this, though, you know, once the family unit is broken down, society is broken down. And that's where we're witnessing in the streets of America. The family has been broken down and now there's no... Uh, no husbands, no fathers that, that have maturity and, and 
and, 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 and the Lord and God-fearing. And so we're seeing a breakdown of society right before our very eyes. So, you know, it's been interesting. You know, I've had some situations in my own marriage and my own family here at home where I just did not okay some things and they were going to make some kind of an agreement or do something or make some kind of decision. And I said, you know, I don't feel good about that. And we're not going to, we're not going to commit to that. And I shut it down. Uh, I've also had times where, you know, uh, maybe I allowed something, but I didn't have all the details. Mm. So just something to think about, you know, sometimes we can agree on something, but we don't have all the details, right? you know? Uh, but once again, I, I would actually, you know, put that responsibility on, on the other mate. But, but then, but then again, at the end of the day, it's really the husband that bears the brunt of it, you know, cause it says right here that what did the husband bear if he allowed his wife to make a vow and did not keep it? Yeah. Her iniquity. So her iniquity. And this is where we get, of course, divine order. And uh, any thoughts on that, Ryan? Well, I do. I see two principles here. Um, the, the first of which is that your word is binding, right? Um, this is the understanding that you can't just say one thing and do another because it causes chaos and confusion amongst the people. It causes strife. It causes issues. And so God is laying down the principle that what you say and what you do need to match. And uh, for any business owners out there, that's an, a, a major business principle that, hey, there's a lot of people out there that do one thing and say another. For, for us that serve the Lord, it is part of our witness how we conduct business and, and uh, what we do and what we say need to match. The second thing is you can see a clear delineation here of divine order, the husband and the wife and the children, and how the husband, while he may be the one of authority or the one in charge, he is also the one with the responsibility. And then so everything has to funnel up through the husband, through the father. You don't just have people going off and making vows because ultimately he's the one who has to sign the checks, you know what I mean, so to speak. That's good. You know, uh, I want to give you an example here. Um in this particular subject matter, why is it important to be a man or woman of your, of your word is the question. And it's about your integrity and character. You know, um, it's kind of like, are you always late to things? You're going to be known. Oh, you're late to everything. Like You'd be late to your own funeral. 15% of the That's time. That's terrible, yeah. terrible witness, you know? Yeah. Oh, they're always late, you know, or, or, oh, they say they're going to come and they never do. Now I want to give you an example. Even among a person who is wicked kept his word. This is very interesting. This just came to my mind today. King Herod kept his word in regard to the head of John the Baptist. Matthew chapter 14, verses 6 through 12. I want to read this about Herod keeping his word. But when Herod's birthday was kept, the daughter of Herodias danced before them and pleased Herod. Now, once again, John the Baptist came after King Herod in regards to him marrying his brother. And he really called him out. He went after him. Now, my personal opinion, and I'm just saying this, my own personal opinion, John the Baptist probably should not have said anything. He was, of course, called to preach repentance and prepare the way of the Lord. But he kind of threw that in there with King Herod and kind of embarrassed him and mocked him and kind of, you know, scoffed him a little bit there, you know. And, and, and of course, you know, Herod's wrong, but, you know, two wrongs don't make a right. But the thing is, you know, John the Baptist loses his head. But let's check out these scriptures here. Uh, Matthew 14, once again, verses uh, 6 to 12. Once again, but when Herod's birthday was kept, the daughter of Herodias, uh, that was Herod's brother, Herodias, danced before them and pleased Herod. Whereupon he promised with an oath to give her whatsoever she would ask. And she, being before instructed of her mother, said, Give me here John Baptist's head in a charger. 
So the daughter goes to the mother and says, what should I ask for? And boy, this woman was full of uh, revenge. And she being before instructed of her mother said, give me here John Baptist's head in a charger. And the king was sorry, nevertheless, for the oath's sake. And then which sat with him at meat, he commanded it to be given her because he had all these guests there and everything. He couldn't go back on his word. And he sent and beheaded John in prison. Uh, and his head was brought in a charger and given to the damsel, and she brought it to her mother. And his disciples came and took up the body and buried it and went and told Jesus. Uh, and of course, you know, Jesus wept when he found out about John the Baptist losing his head and everything. He's God. He knows everything. But once again, I just want to bring this point out uh, to be a man or woman of your word. Matter of fact, the Bible says yes or no. It's an interesting example. Not call there. me maybe. Yeah, that's an interesting example of um, of keeping I, your word. I know <laughs> it, it's pretty right to the point. I would probably be like, uh, except for that, pick something else. I mean, well, I if you're know, the king, you're the king. But you know? this is true. But yeah. I'm, what I'm saying is that you know it, it's still relevant. It is. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, so so it's very interesting. You yeah, know? absolutely. Uh, so once again, uh, here we have this issue. Of course, we, we're talking about vows. Now, all of a sudden, we're going to go into, which is really, really cool, we're going to go into this subject matter of uh, war against Midian. That's right. War against Midian. I for had what this they had weird done. feeling they're about to get what's coming to them. You know what I mean? Very interesting. So, so who was the enemy of Israel the Lord wanted them to fight? The Midianites. The Midianites. You know, it's called spiritual warfare today. You know, we don't battle flesh and blood, but there are real human wars going on. But I'm saying that, uh, you know, Balaam showed King Balak how to get Israel to fall by sending beautiful women into their camp. Ooh, la, la. And they committed sexual immorality and they committed idolatry. Not good. And so God's like, okay. You guys took a hit. Matter of fact, it's interesting. The very last verse in, in, the, in the last week's Torah portion was about 24,000 died in the plague, right? One of the verses. Yeah. And so something to think about. And, and so as we look at this, uh, the number from each tribe that went to fight the enemy was 1,000. Yep, Very so interesting. What, so 12,000 total? So 12,000. And Israel slayed all the males among the Midianites, Okay. Uh, once again today, the land of Midian would be the modern-day country of Saudi Arabia. And we mm -hmm. know that Midian was the son of Abraham and Keturah after the death of Sarah. So once again... Yeah, so th uh, that area would include like Mecca and Medina. Interesting. All the way down. That's right. like the, the, what is it, the east, the west coast of the Persian Gulf, or the, or the west coast of Saudi Arabia today. Very interesting. Uh, the five kings of Midian were killed in the battle. Also, just a little reminder... Uh, Israel slew Balaam with a sword as well. Balaam was killed with the sword. You know, he was sent to curse Israel and he blessed them three times. He only spoke what God told him to speak. And people would say, well, why would God use Balaam? Why would he use a donkey? All these things. Because he wanted to prove a point that Israel is truly blessed. And, and Balaam would actually be considered a Gentile or somebody from the nations speaking yeah. that over God's own people. So Israel slew him with a sword. So you get what's coming. Listen, he, listen up, everybody. The times we're living in, pray for the Jewish people. Lift them up. Bless them. Speak good of them. Amen. Respect Judaism. As Christians, we practice Christianity. The Jews practice Judaism, okay? Different forms or whatever, different variations. But here's the thing. You have to respect Judaism, okay? Because once you start just dogging them out and saying things, you've crossed the line of disrespect. And that's not what we're looking for. We're looking for mutual respect between both parties, and we're looking for the reconciliation of Jews and Gentiles. What an awesome time we are living in, and what an awesome 
opportunity. But these are the five things that Israel took from the Midianites. So here's the spoil, right? They call it the booty. <laughs> I won't. Yeah, never mind. Um, all the women, little ones, cattle, flocks, and all their goods. All their goods. They're going to take it. It's the spoils of war. Now, Moses was angry because Israel allowed some of the Midianite captives to live. So Moses commanded Israel to kill every male among the little ones and every woman that laid with a man. Boy, that's uh, some serious judgment going on there. Yeah, it sure is. And once again, the, the two ways that Eliezer, the high priest, used to purify all the goods taken from the Midianites was fire and water. And they had to sanitize everything, you know? Interesting. Things are purified by fire and water, even, even as we count the omer, the wheat. Oh, yeah. Parched, the fire. That's right. You know, and of course, water to, to do mikvahs, to be immersed. The priests would wash their hands and their feet at the laver before they started working in the tabernacle. So those are, of course, once again, um, two ways to purify all the goods uh, that was given to Eliezer. And remember, he was the successor to Aaron uh, as the high priest. Right. Now, they divided the prey or the spoil into two parts. One part for those who went out to battle, and the second part for all the congregation. Right. You know, uh, they did levy a tribute to the Lord of the men of war, which went out to battle. So there was a levy. He ain't heavy. He's my levy. So He's my brother. So in other words, that, that's pretty equitable, right? The ones that actually went and fought, the 12,000 men, they got half of it to split up amongst themselves. And then the 2 million other people split the rest of it up amongst everyone. That's a good point, Ryan. Yeah. That's, that's good that you developed that because that's true. That's how it works. Right. You know, uh, and that's the thing, you know, it, it's funny, you know, whoever gets the vision has to work the hardest. Come on. You know, a shared vision is, is incredible. That's right. You know, and I so you I think you and know, I share a vision. I think you know? we do. Yeah. I think we do. Now here's where it gets to be very interesting. Everyone, you talk about the favor of God, and you talk about the revenge of God, or to go out in, into battle. What an encouraging uh, thought this is. Think about this. There were no casualties. Nobody died in battle against the Midianites among the children of Israel. Not one soul. Wow. That's some serious protection. Yeah. Don't leave home without it. Yeah. Uh -uh. That is incredible. So think about it. No casualties. See, right? if we just do it right, no harm can come. That's right. Because we're going after the inheritance, everyone. That's what I want everyone to know. You know, and the enemy's trying to put into our minds that Israel's not safe. Uh, you know, oh, the Temple Mount and the Antichrist and this future temple and oh, the tribulation. Listen, we're all going to go through what the world's going to encounter, folks. Just like the coronavirus, nobody has been left out. He's no respecter of persons. The coronavirus shut the whole world down. That's right. So who are we to say we're better off being over here than over there? Mm. When that's when you're, that's where your inheritance is. I mean, Yeshua had his ministry there. He suffered, died, and was buried there. He ascended from there. Everyone, he's coming back down on the Mount of Olives. What are we doing with our tail between our legs, going the opposite way? You know, it actually says that Ephraim will come trembling back from the west. So that's my food for thought. Uh, Ryan can can finish up that little part. And then we're going to go right into um, three tribes settled east of the Jordan. I'm going to give that to Ryan when he's ready. Yeah, we're starting to get into some, some details that I would like to be part of, you know, divvying out today. I'd like to split some stuff up. Wouldn't that be cool? You know, um, as these folks, they go out 
and and they're fighting uh, on behalf of Israel with their cousins. Right now, this is all in the family, which is an interesting piece of this. Good the Midianites point. are uh, are sons of Abraham. Um, you know, it, it's important to recognize that these people, the Midianites, were the very people who caused Israel to curse themselves. And so God is looking at this from a, a standpoint of that this nation is wicked and that there's judgment coming on them and that he's using the nation of Israel to judge them, just as he uses other nations later on to judge Israel. And so God uses nations to judge other nations. And what's interesting about that is just like what we were, um, we were talking about Basha, right? And uh, this was the other day, and how, you know, Basha does uh, what he's asked to do, and he goes and he kills all these people, but then God punishes him for killing all these people, right? Because he did as Jeroboam did. Right. Yeah. Well, and, well, because... It, God used him, but he still did the same thing. Well, and, and sometimes God is allowing something to happen and not stopping it, but it's still wickedness in someone's heart being expressed, Right. So the wickedness is not okay. Just because God says, I'm going to allow this because this nation needs to be judged or these people need to receive this judgment or this thing needs to happen in order to mold the character of this individual or of this nation, it doesn't mean that the person that is inflicting the harm on this other nation isn't going to be held accountable for what they're doing. And so I think it's important that you recognize that God is playing 3D chess and everybody else is playing checkers. Wow. And, and he knows what's going on. And, and, and not the least of which... When we talk about uh, the judgment of, of slaying all the males and things like this, always remember that God is sovereign and that God created us and, and we go back to be with him in some form or fashion. Um, and God has the end from the beginning. He knows all things. And so when we look at these things, it's different when God has done something versus when we, through hatred in our heart, murder our brother. I think that it's another important distinction to be made. You know, Ryan, that's a good point, because I, I want to bring something out here. Uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 9, we know that the Apostle Paul was sent to the Gentiles to pull out a people for his name, say, come on, somebody. Come on, and somebody. And from the tribe of Benjamin, going to the house of Joseph, say, come, let's go. So this is what it says. He says, for a great door... And effectual is opened unto me, and there are many adversaries. Bum, bum, bum. So once again, the children of Israel are at the gate to the land, okay? They're at Moab, at the gate to the land. There's new problems, final preparations, and concluding tasks going on here. This is a small window. This takes place within a few months. Now, this is Numbers chapter 22, verse 2, all the way through chapter 36. And so we just really want to bring this out to all of you, that we are on the cusp, we are on the verge of something incredible, if you could just change your paradigm, the way you think and look at things, you're going to see an incredible door opening up to us. But there are many adversaries, yep. things that, that are going to try to trip us up. And God can use our own family. Oh, yeah. Your enemies will be they of your own house. <laughs> That's not one of my favorite verses. No, so no. I'm going to turn it over to Ryan because we're going to jump right into this thing. But I want to encourage you to seek after all that God has for you and just believe for it. Don't try to figure it all out. Just know what's coming to you. A love for Israel, a love for the Jewish people. A love of falafel. I like falafel. Yes, from Israel. And shawarma. Shawarma. I oh, love shawarma. I love shawarma. Oh. I had it so, in the old so city. So Ryan's going to be sharing about the three tribes settled east of the Jordan. Here we go. We're in Numbers chapter 32. we got to get rolling here because we have some time constraints. Because we do have a double portion today. Double so we portion. have to do in, in this short amount of time what we'd normally do in double the time. So... 
So um, which side of the Jordan did Gad and the children of Reuben want to dwell with their cattle? On this, the east side. That's right, on the east side. So basically... It is beautiful. They're going through this beautiful country. I've been there, Ryan. And the cows are enjoying it. And it's just like, you know, I don't... Man, this is really nice here. Like, can I just stay right here? Like, I'm happy. And, um, and so obviously these two tribes did agree to go and fight on their behalf. But, you know, first Moses has to be like, wait, hang on a second. So... You guys want to stay here. We all have to go and fight for our land. No, 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 no. You're going to send the males over. We're going to go over. We're going to take care of of clearing the land for everyone else. And then you can come back and you can enjoy your inheritance. But yes, this this area can be your land. Because think about it. you got a whole tribe that wants to stay east of the Jordan. That's more land west of the Jordan to split up amongst everybody else, right? And, and right now, the conversation is, of course, Gad and Reuben, right? Right, right. We haven't even gotten yeah. into NASA. But, but here's the thing I want to throw into Ryan. Here's the interesting thing. Uh, who is going to fight for the Jewish people in their land? Come on, somebody. Me. Who is going to fight for the Jewish ooh, people and their land? Ooh, pick me. Pick me. Ryan, I pick I you. I want to do it. I, I want to do you. it. I think we should help defend the Jewish people to get into their if own land If this is a homes. template right here. That's right. Right? And, and we get to have an inheritance. And we understand it. You reap what you sow. Then we first have to go and help them get their inheritance. That's right. And then we get peace in our inheritance. Is that what you're saying? Oh, that's exactly what I I'm just, saying. I just want to make sure we I like clear. it. I like it, though. I like it, too. Listen, it's, it's a, we have to help one another. We're not in this by ourselves, right? This is a, a situation where we all go together. So... Um, what are the four things that the tribes of Gad and Reuben would leave behind in order to help the other tribes? Oh, their little ones, their wives, flocks, and cattle. That's right. So, yeah, they weren't taking all of them with them as they went over. And so what tribe, in addition to Gad and Reuben, had a possession in the land east of the Jordan River? Here comes Manasseh. You can find some really good maps in some of your Bibles. If you look at the back of your Bible, yeah, people say, what do you believe, Pastor Nick? I say, from Genesis to maps. That's right. Some Bibles got some good maps. Yeah. This is a good one to have. It's like color-coded, all the little allotment, oh, yeah. the lots given out. So we have Manasseh, the half-tribe of Manasseh. So you got Gad, Reuben, and the half-tribe of Manasseh in regards to this inheritance. This last land. question is kind of a loaded question. So I'm going to pose it to you in, in hopes that we're not going to take the whole rest of the time <laughs> to answer it. Give it to me. And here's the question. Pastor Nick, for... and double jeopardy. Why is it so important for the whole house of Israel to be regathered and restored in the last days? All right, here we go. Less than a minute. I'm going to share with you Acts 3.21. Whom the heaven must receive until the times of restitution of all things, which God hath spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. So Ryan, what this entails is three things. We have the Bible, we have people, and we have the land. And all three are synonymous. Okay? That's right. The Bible, the people in the Bible, and the land, which the Bible talks about. Yes. So it's all synonymous. So what we're actually witnessing is God putting this kingdom back together, the northern and southern kingdom back together. He brought Judah back. Now what about the southern kingdom? There they are. Here comes the northern kingdom, right? All over the world, Gentiles are coming out of the nations and wanting to help the Jewish people and go to Israel. It's that simple, folks. And here's the prophecy in in, in the book of Noah. I mean, Noah's story, right? There's the prophecy. There's Shem, Ham, and Japheth. 
Well, Shem is, of course, the heir. And what happens is, it says that Japheth will go into the tents of Shem. Mm-hmm. We know Ham's descendants were cursed. So here's two groups of people. There's Shem, and here comes Japheth. He's going to go into the tents of Shem. That's what we're seeing today, folks. And I'm going to leave it at that, the restitution of all things. Oh, I got it's something It's going for down. You. Go ahead. I got something for you. So um, Ephesians 2, I believe, is is when we want to take a, a solid oh, doctrinal yeah, approach. Ephesians like, 2. How can I... Uh, how can I take a look at, at the restoration and the regathering of, of the whole house of Israel, of Jews and Gentiles together? How can I take a biblical, you know, quote-unquote, New Testament view of this conversation? And I'm going to give it to you here, starting in verse 11, King James Version. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know why I like King James Version so much. But it says here, Wherefore, remember that you, being in time past Gentiles, in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by that which is called circumcision in the flesh made by hand. So I want you to first understand something. When were you called a Gentile? In the past. You were previously called a Gentile. And we're going to keep reading on because you're about to get a new name other than Gentile. In verse 12, it says that at that time, when you were called a Gentile, right, you were without Christ. This is without the Messiah. Being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. So in other words, you were a victim of the circumstances of the world. You didn't have a God. You didn't have Messiah. You had no hope. And you were a foreigner from the commonwealth of Israel. Wow. Okay. Once you were not a people. And so here we have a contrast. Because then it says, but now in Christ... In Christ Jesus, you sometimes were far off, are, uh, are made nigh by the blood of Christ. And so that's verse 13. Wow. So all of these things that you didn't have before, right? Now you have Christ. You will have citizenship from the commonwealth of Israel. You are no longer a stranger from the covenants of promise, but you are a recipient of the, common, of the uh, covenants of promise. And you have hope and you have God. And so I'm going to bump down to verse 19 just for time's sake. And it says, Now therefore you are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. So this is an important understanding that we, together with our Jewish brothers and sisters, are members of Israel, of the household of God. And it is important that we act like it. And you reap what you sow. Think about it. If we bless the Jewish people, everybody, this is where eschatology has to be taught. You know, think about it, everybody. We've been taught to run from Israel, stay away from Jewish people, the Temple Mount, ah, you know, the Antichrist. And it's like, what are we doing? We've got to go after our inheritance. Yep. That's what it's all about. It's not about, let's, is the devil behind the, oh, that corner over there? Or, oh, my gosh, what's this, what's this, what's that? Listen, we're heirs according to the promise. And so let, let's close this out with, with the two lessons that can be learned from the Torah portion. You can come up with your own. I'm going to give you my two for Matat tribes. Numbers 30, verse 2, all the way through chapter 32, verse 42, from a consensus of Nicholas Plema. <laughs> Here's my consensus. What are you laughing at? Are you guys ready for this? Because I'm going to bring it. I was laughing at the Here we consensus go. Check this out. of Nicholas Plema. What two lessons did I get out of this? Oh, wow. It's not been done away with. Check this out. Are you ready for this? Here we go. Here are my two thoughts. Number one, keep your vows and be a man or woman of your word. Boy, that is so important, especially with this reconciliation with Jews and Gentiles, because there was a lot of lies and a lot of things going on. Keep your vows and be a man or woman of your word. Are you ready for this? I am. 
This is what I got from this. This is deep, Ryan. Number two, you have to learn how to fight outside the promised land. Come on, somebody. And then you might make it in So there's my two thoughts. Promised land? Be a man or woman of your word. But if you have to fight outside the promised land, you that's so you can make it into the promised the prom- land. So to remember what I said, everybody. There's a three-front war here that's, that's going after you. It's yourself, it's Satan, and mm-hmm. your circumstances. And sometimes you can't control your circumstances. It comes out of nowhere. Right. So let's just say you crucify your flesh. Galatians 5, 19 through 21, you're watching what you're saying, you're watching what you're doing, you're catching yourself, and you just, you're, 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 got, you're just looking forward. And you know you've submitted to God. You resist the devil, he'll flee from That's you. Right. You know his little wiles, his methodia, his, his schemes. And that, uh, Thank you, Holy Spirit. That's why most of the world has been beguiled, even the church. What does beguiled mean? You've been tricked. Fooled. You've been fooled, you know. That's right. So, so once again, and then, of course, the circumstances come in your life. You're going to need wisdom and the Holy Spirit to guide you through these things. You can't just read your Bible and find the answers because it's going to come in many different forms and fashions. But, but once again, th- those are very important points to make. You know, if you can't get yourself under control, you've already lost the battle. And no one who's fought a two-front war has ever won. Napoleon never won. Hitler never won. So you got to fight one battle at a time. That's right. And start with yourself. Submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and then when circumstances come, Ryan, use wisdom, use God, yeah. and say, how do I, how do I get through this? So th- that's it for me. You know, it's funny, because just to add on to what you said, because I was, I was pondering this idea of the three battles that we all fight uh, from your message, and it's so true. We fight ourselves, oh, we gosh. fight the devil, and then we fight circumstances. And I would venture to say that there's nothing new under the sun, right? So fighting of ourselves, there's certain things that we can do to, to have two of these fronts under control on a regular basis, right? right. But then this last exercises. one, this last one, circumstances, man, they come out of nowhere. Oh, I got in a car accident. I lost my job. Somebody came up and just like, you know, yelled at me for no reason or whatever it is. The circumstances, man, they get thrown in there and they seem like they come out of left field, but just know that they, they don't. They don't. They're part of this battle. Anyways, all right, let me give you my two. Um, My first one would be a question that I want to place to you guys that are listening. In in the divine order that you are placed into, how can you be the best at your role within the divine order? So if you're a husband, if you're a wife, a father, son, whatever it is, how can you be the best at your role? Ask yourself that question and take action on what you come up with. That would be my suggestion. My, uh, my second one just left me. I, had ri- I should have written it down, you know. It just left me. It was, uh, I got it. Ready? I don't got it. I don't but got that's it. That's still pretty good. Be the oh, best. Oh, undercover. The, within divine order. Undercover, there you go. Within divine oh, order, goodness. there is safety. There's no free-for-all? There's no free. Is fall. everyone doing what's right in their own eyes? Are we in the book of Judges? It's not even that. It's 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 the, just the understanding that, you see, in America, we're all about these individual freedoms and rights, and and not to take anything away from that, but sometimes it's nice when someone else has the responsibility to make the decision or take something on, right? And so we should celebrate when it's not us having to do it. Did you know that, that like some of the famous CEOs out there, you know, Steve Jobs, God rest his soul, you know, Mark Zuckerberg, um, a lot of these guys, you see them and they wear the same thing every time you see them, right? Do you know why they do that? It's because they have to make so many decisions every day that they get decision fatigue. So they say, I'm not gonna, I'm gonna have the same thing. I'm gonna wear the same thing every day. One less decision I have to make 
today. That's that's I never heard that. It's before. totally that's, weird. That is definitely <laughs> but, off the charts. But it's 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 a, it's a fact, and you can look it up. So, anyways, man, that's what I had. Praise the Lord. Let's 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 move on to Messiah and Journeys. I'm in, and we're right on time too. This is good this stuff. is this is good. Yeah. This is the closing of numbers, you know, so we want, to, we want to learn a lot. This is about Israel's wilderness encampments. So, Ryan, here is the million-dollar question. How many places did Israel camp at while they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years? Because we're in Messiah. We're in the Torah portion journeys now, which is Numbers 33, verse 1, through chapter 36 and verse 13. So we're finishing up here. How many places did they camp out? More than your average military family in the U.S. Wow. 42 in 40 years. So 42 encampments. I want to bring something out to you guys real quick here, uh, just so you can understand something um, right out of the gate here. It, it says in Numbers chapter 33 and verse 5, just a little picture here, a little template, and the children of Israel removed from Ramses and pitched in Sukkot. So there's the starting point, which yeah. is Ramses, which represents Egypt, the world. Yeah. And they, and they pitched in Sukkot, which is what? Booths. Booths tabernacles yeah see god wants to bring you out of the world and bring you to sukkot to bring you to tabernacles so he's like giving you the answer right at the beginning there like the little little you know a little mini view there of of, hey look you're going to come out of the world but ultimately i want to bring you together and that's what tabernacles is all about it is about the feast of engathering so we uh we have a, a little tidbit here to share with you. The congregation of Beit Tehillah is currently at its eighth location. So that's not too bad. That's not too bad. So here is the discussion. Here's the, here's the topic. Here's the question for that. We were throwing out to people in our little circles here. How many places have you lived since your birth? Now I want to say this. I'm going to say at least 12, Mm. but I didn't really kind of go through it. Yeah. But I would say I've been to at least 12 places of residence yeah. that I could think of. Yeah, I would have to say I'm around seven, I want to say. I'm, uh, th- that's something you really got to kind of go back and, and look it up, you know. So, so while camped out on the plains of Moab, what city were they near? Uh, this is going to be Jericho. Jericho. So this is going to be the, uh, the city uh, that they were near. That- I wonder if they could see Jericho from where they were. So basically, today's modern-day city of Jericho, isn't it controlled by the Palestinians? Man, you know... What I, is, it, is it A, B, or C? Uh, Jericho. Jericho is, is now going to be a C, hopefully, within the new plan. But um, but right now, I mean, I think it's mostly Palestinian. It is, but I believe it might be B. I'm not sure. But anyway, they have control over it, pretty much. But what's interesting yeah. about the quote-unquote West first Bank, yeah. right, is that all these stories we're reading... Oh, yeah, West Bank. <laughs> like, what... This is, of all the places to call Israel, right? right? Or to call Palestine, something other than Israel. Right. This area is not the area to call something else. It just isn't. Yeah, I know. I mean, it's, it's geographically speaking, it's, it's a catchphrase, you know, it's a trigger word uh, or trigger phrase. I'm triggered. Um, so who were the children of Israel to drive out once they passed over the River Jordan? All the inhabitants of the land. You need to continue on there, Conan. Okay. Conan's here, folks. Chapter 33 and verse 54 of Numbers, it says, And ye shall divide the land by lot for an inheritance among your families. And to the more ye shall give more inheritance, and to the fewer ye shall give less inheritance. Every man's inheritance shall be in the place where his lot falleth. According to the tribes of your fathers, ye shall inherit. 
Who is your daddy and what does he do? Oh my goodness, right, Conan. I added the last You know, part. actually, Paul, in one of his letters, he thanks the barbarians for preaching the gospel. He said, I could have done it without him. Thanks, Conan. Die, you will believe the gospel. Thank you, Conan. Repent. You, oh my goodness, I'm telling <laughs> you. If you want to live. Listen, God wants to get rid of the evil people in the land so he can put in the good people, the righteous Amen. people, his children. Amen. And this is what's actually happening. Think about what God wants to do, everybody. He wants to put good people in the land. Come on, somebody. Now, the question is, what three things will the inhabitants not driven from the land do to the children of Israel? What are they going to do, Ryan, if they're not driven out of the land? Well, they're going to be pricks in their eyes, thorns in their sides, and they're going to vex them. See, that word vex means like to besiege, enemy, crowd upon. And this is what we're actually seeing with with even uh, modern day terrorism, even in the land of Israel. You know, when it says like thorns in their sides, you know, they put like these, these, they put like uh, washers and screws and oh, nails yeah. and oh, these yeah. bombs. Oh, it's insane. And they go off and they just tear the flesh apart of the, of the Jewish people. It's like the Sarnaev brothers, those little pressure cooker bombs they made. They were filled with like little nails and stuff. It's just, it's barbaric. It's insane. It is Conan. I mean, think about it, everybody. We're literally seeing something that's 3,500 years old here. And, and God says, if you keep them, your enemies in the land, they're going to vex you. They're going to give you a hard time. You know, the Sabaro pizza uh, joint there on Ben Yehuda Street years ago, my wife and I ate pizza there. The next Tabernacles, the, the one, the year later, a bomb went off in there. My wife and I had eaten a pizza in there, but not to say we're fearful or anything. I'm just saying that there's real challenges uh, in the modern day times in which we live. But the two men responsible for dividing the land among the tribes was Eliezer the priest and Joshua, the son of Nun, the Ephraimite, the tribe of Ephraim. That's right. Joshua uh, was responsible for dividing up the land. And so they took a prince from every tribe to divide the land by inheritance. Listen, if you're listening to this podcast right now and you have a desire to want to go to Israel, maybe you've never been. My father always said, you take away a man's dreams and he has nothing. Dream with me. I've been seven times. I love Israel. I want to go to Israel. Amen. Amen. We had to cancel our trip this year because of the coronavirus. We were so disappointed, you know. And so once again, we're going to see how they took a prince from every tribe to divide the land by inheritance. Now I'm going to let Ryan take it over from here. We're in, of course, the, uh, the subject matter, cities for the Levites. And this is interesting. The Levites, obviously, they um, they didn't get uh, a land decided for them for cast by lot, but they had to serve all of the tribes. So they had to have a presence in the inheritance land of all 12 tribes. So uh, the question is then, how many cities did the Levites get for their inheritance? There was Le- Levitical cities uh, scattered all throughout the land. And the answer is? 48. 48. And you know, how- one, of the, one of the blessings or promises, I think, given... Uh, we have, of course, uh, Jacob blesses the children, and even Moses, but there, and I don't know where it's at exactly, but it says, I will scatter Levi among Israel. Right. That's exactly right. And this is, here it is. This is part of it as well, but even today. Yeah. We have a Cohen family in our congregation, the Cohens. They're everywhere. That's right. <laughs> That's right. They sure do. Um, so how many cities of refuge were given to the children of Israel? Six. That's right. So cities of refuge were divided up with three cities on the east of the Jordan and three cities on the west of the Jordan. And the purpose of these cities, uh, the cities of refuge, was to provide refuge for the children of Israel, strangers and sojourners who accidentally killed somebody or killed someone unawares, as the King James puts it. And so what this means is that the avenger could not kill the manslayer while they are living 
in a city of refuge. And the person who fled to a city of refuge had to stand before the congregation in judgment. So in other words, they were able to go there as almost a quote-unquote sanctuary city, right? Yeah. Uh, until they were able to stand trial and the evidence was be able to be weighed against them uh, in the matter um, that was there. So what's interesting about that is I think one of the things that's implied there that I find interesting is that... Um, that it was legal for someone who was avenging a loved one to, to basically take justice matters into their own hands. That's right. So if somebody killed your child, right, then if you couldn't, if you could get them before they made it to a sanctuary city, you could take them out. That's what it sounds like to me. Now, that's right. I am, I am not, uh, I'm not claiming that's the right thing or the best thing to do by any stretch of the imagination. I am just saying that I think that it's a, um, a loophole within the law. So um, if a person was found innocent whom was being pursued by the Avenger, how long did they have to remain in the city of refuge? And the answer is until the death of the high priest. That's good. Uh, just on the east side of the Jordan River, the, the three cities were Golan, Ramoth, Gilead, and of course, Bazer. To the west, up in the north, it's Kedesh, Shechem, and Hebron. Yeah, and they're so split up they're throughout f- the we're land. Fam- we're familiar with Kedesh, it's up to the north. Yep. Shechem and Hebron were the cities of refuge. This is kind of interesting because the, until the death of the high priest, so even though you were innocent, right, they still lost a loved one. Right. You exactly. couldn't leave that city. Right. But here's the interesting thing, you know. Where would the manslayer go to after leaving the city of refuge after the death of the high priest? Well, once the once they're free to go, they would return to the land of their possession. Return into the land of his possession. Now, I want you guys to think about this. You know, we we are to we are to, to be blamed for the sins of this world. We are to to, to receive that blame. Uh, but what did Yeshua do? He takes the blame away. He, he gives us a clean slate. So how has Yeshua, our high priest, given us our inheritance? You want to read Hebrews 4, verses 14 through 16, Ryan? Um, that, is that in the New Testament? Yes, 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 it is. Um, Took you a little long to answer that. Yeah, I know. I just, <laughs> I was in shock. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16. So this is very interesting. Yeshua is our high priest. Yeah. Let's read it. It says here, Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession, for we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly under the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Wow. <coughs> wow. Yeah. So here he is. He's our mediator. And this is how he has given us our inheritance, you know. Uh, think about it, you know. We can boldly come to the throne of grace now because of Yeshua. You know, the biggest hurdle that we've all had is that, you know, we didn't have this person to bring us to the Father, but now we do. We have Yeshua. He's the way, the truth, and the life. No man can come to the Father except through him. Well, so and if you think about it, right, one of the one of the things about living in a sanctuary city or in a, a city of refuge is that you can't leave, right? Maybe you want to go home. You're stuck there, 
um, until the death of the high priest. Well, if Yeshua is our high priest, and he died on the cross for us. So what he's done is we he's proclaimed inheritance. freedom for the captives, right? You know? Right. And, and that's the thing. I mean, I, I think it's great, Ryan, that we, you know, we're, we're in the despair. We're scattered, but there's no longer an exile. We're no longer pushed out. He's gathering. He's waking right. us up. Oh, yeah. He's, he's doing it, you know. So could one witness testify and cause another to die? Nope. No, you need two witnesses. You know, I got seven kids. <laughs> and there's a pecking order. Oh, yeah. And it's kind of interesting because I came up with this idea. You know, one of them would come to me about another child. And so I basically said to them, I said, listen, I hear what you're saying, and we'll do some kind of investigation. I'll look into this. But could you just, can you bring me two witnesses? Mm-hmm. And they don't. And I don't hear from them again. So it's kind of, there's something going on here where, you know, maybe if my sibling's going to pick on me, I need two witnesses. I'm trying to help them out. Yeah. Because then we got a case. Right. But I don't like this he said, she said stuff. Yeah. You know, I mean, have you guys thought about this on social media? How many lies are promulgated on social media? Oh, it's terrible. I think it's two words. Fake news. Fake news. Fake news. Oh, man. And then, you know, like, like you know, I mean, it can go on and on and on. But, but you know, Satan's a liar. He's the father of lies. He's the accuser of the brethren. He is the father of lies. So let's look at Numbers 35, verse 34. I got this one. Defile not, therefore, the land wow. which ye shall inhabit, wherein I dwell. For I, the Lord, dwell among the children of Israel. And did Israel defile the land in the past? Oh. Passing the children through Molech, building all these altars. You know what's crazy? Allowing all this, you know, you know I want to share this real quick, Ryan. Even King Solomon gave a foreigner some of the land. Can you believe that? Oh, you want some of the land, you little foreigner? And, and just gave it to him. Yeah. I mean, I'm like, no wonder you didn't last. Well, you know, it's interesting. Land for peace doesn't work, folks. You mentioned... Say uh, no to Oslo. No Oslo. No to Oslo. Say no to Oslo. It doesn't work. And say no to... Ask any Jew. It doesn't work. The deal of the century. Mm, Deal, Shmiel. All right. So what's... uh, You mentioned uh, passing your kids through the fire to Molech. Um, You know, this has been happening for thousands of years. Uh, It's got to be the most satanic and horrible thing that somebody could possibly do. And what's crazy to me is that this stuff is still going on. And that was in Jerusalem, where his name is. Right. But this stuff is still going on to this day. And I just, I think that people are naive if they think that there's not evil people out there that are doing these things. And it's it's absolute, absolute insanity. So, all right. So we're moving on to the last chapter in the book of Numbers. Man, I'll tell you what, I'm so excited. You know why? Because Deuteronomy's coming up. Next, baby. Oh, That's right. The book of remembrance. But before I get there, I don't want to count my eggs. Instructions on inheritance. I got to hatch this egg first. Is right? this a process? Um, yeah. Did, so we have a place. Oh, yes. We have people. Oh. And we have a process. We do. In that order. We sure do. <laughs> That's right, baby. Yeah, we do. Oh, man. I can see it. I see the pattern. I see it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So here's the question. We're the chief fathers from the tribe of Manasseh concerned that the daughters of Zelophehad might marry to another tribe and thus diminish their inheritance. Yes. Now, this was already discussed earlier on uh, in regards to the five dollars daughters of Zelophehad. Um, and of course, I'm going to let Ryan finish it up here. But um, once again, they were from the tribe of Manasseh. So let's go ahead and just share about that thought, Ryan, that they got to marry within the 
the tribe of Manasseh or whatever. Yeah, that's right. So uh, essentially their father had passed away. He had no sons. And then they were afraid that they were going to lose out on their part of the inheritance of the of land. Manasseh's inheritance. Correct. Right. And so because, because their father had no sons and they didn't want their father's name, right, to be, you know, scraped off the face of the earth or whatever. And so some of the other people within Manasseh complained about this because they're like, wait a second, what if they marry outside of the tribe of Manasseh and then we lose that because then that inheritance follows the male line. Right. And so um, the answer given to the chief fathers from the tribe of Manasseh uh, about this personal inheritance was that the daughters of Zelophehad had to marry within their tribe, uh, the tribe of Manasseh. And uh, 36 verse 7 says, So shall not the inheritance of the children of Israel remove from tribe to tribe. For every one of the children of Israel shall keep himself to the inheritance of the tribe of his fathers. And so this is almost like setting a precedent in the law of Israel moving forward, that it doesn't move from tribe to tribe. And this is important because if a man... Um, or if a woman wanted to marry outside of the tribe or so on and so forth, you, they couldn't take then their inheritance with them. They might have to give something up. In you order know, it's interesting that the culture is all, they're infatuated with the word tribe and arrows. Remember that? Yeah, yeah. How many arrows? And like when they say a quiver full, may your quiver be full, that's 12. Oh, yeah. That's a quiver full, 12, 12 arrows. That's a lot of arrows. Yeah, there's a blessing that we say for uh, Havdalah that talks, that's um, actually it's Psalm 128. And he, it says... Um, There's a Psalm 127. Speak to the enemies in the gates and no, all that. No, 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 no. It's Psalm 128. It's, uh, it's He's a, going for it, folks. He's got his sword. Oh, yeah, baby. He's going. He's going there. That's right. It says, Blessed is, is the man uh, that fears the Lord, that walks in his ways. For thou shalt eat the labor of your hands, and happy shall you be, and it shall be well with you. Thy wife shall be as a fruitful vine... Uh, in the heart of your home and your children like olive plants all around your table. Behold, thus shall the man be blessed that fears the Lord. The Lord shall bless you out of Zion and you shall see the good of Jerusalem all the days of your life. Yea, shall you see your children's children. Peace be upon Israel. It's, and Psalm 127 talks about children too. The quiver be full and all that. Oh, okay. Speak to the enemies in the gate. Oh, um, yeah, there you go. See, this is the one I say in Havdalah. Oh, that's really good. I need to remember that one. There you go. So, uh, yeah, and may you see the good of Jerusalem all the days of your life. Yes, may you see your children's children. Peace be upon Israel. Listen, how much more excited can our children be about Jerusalem and Israel because Disney World is to shut down. That's right. The happiest place on earth. <laughs> well, I That's mean, what they say. Jerusalem I'm just be. saying, it's, it's interesting how God uses things, you know. That's right. That's right. So um, where was the place that the commandments and the judgments were given? In the plains of Moab by Jordan near Jericho. Interesting, right? So we're still in the plains of Moab at the gate Just the above land. the Dead Sea to the north. We're getting ready to go Jordan in. River. I mean, we're just raring to go, right? Let me have right. him. Let me at him. Let me at him. So here we go. So what two lessons can be learned from the Torah portion Massey journeys? Numbers chapter 33, verse 1, all the way through chapter 36 and verse 13, from a consensus of Pastor Nick. Here, this is what I got, Ryan. I love this. This is what I got. These are my concluding uh, thoughts here in this particular saying goodbye to numbers and hello Deuteronomy. Number one, it's not about the destination, but the journey. Yeah. It's not about the destination. Numbers is definitely not about the destination. It is about the journey. So so number two, well, that's what I'm that's why I'm the consensus here. That's right. Me, myself, and I. Number two. Not everyone wants to go 
on the journey. Mm, mm, but that's mm. okay. Yeah. I'd like to conclude with Romans 9, 8. That is, they which are the children of the flesh, these are not the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted for the seed. So get this picture. Even Paul talks about don't argue and debate over genealogies and this and that. But check this out. Within that promise is a seed. It's a divine assurance of good. It's epigelia. The promise is epigelia. Okay? So contained within that promise is the seed. Is you. It's me. It's Ryan. I call it the carrot on the stick. Mm -hmm. We're going for the carrot. Because it's offered to us. You know, as we read these scriptures and people don't want to go and they don't get it, that's okay. But you get it. We get it. Get it. What if it's for Got you? it. What if it's for Good. you? You know? What if Get it's it. for you? Got it. Good. Someone would knock on the door. I had two roommates yeah. in the military. Get it. The other guy said, got it. The third person would say, good. <laughs> Get it. Got it. Good. Come Man. on, people. This is good stuff, you know. Thanks for sharing that. That's great. Get it. <laughs> got it. Good. All right. So my two. My oh, two. I'd like to hear. All right. What God has for you, no one can take from you. Ooh. You know what? That's deep. The daughters of Zelophehad, right? They they thought they were going to lose it, but God intervened for oh, them. Oh, no. He had them. And then here's my last one. The way that you get what you want is by helping others get what they want. That's deep, too. That is a truth, man. You, wanna, you want to, to get what you want? Help others get what they want. So look at that. We have, we have completed... The book of Numbers. You know, I got to tell you, you, Jesus. You know, I don't know if it's because my expectations were so low this year for the book of Numbers, or that I was dreading the book of Numbers. But I have thoroughly enjoyed the book I'll of Numbers what, this year. It is, it's, it's game on. I mean, it's I really, on. really had a good time. So we have a uh, a little tradition here among the Jewish people. They have a saying. It's Hazakazak Venish Hazik. It's actually uh, means be strong, be strong, and may we be strengthened as we finish one of the books. One of the five books in the Torah. So we are concluding the book of Numbers. So on the count of three, Ryan, we're going to say Hazak, Hazak, Venish, Hazik. Be strong, be strong, and may we be strengthened. And hopefully you are inspired from this. One, two, three. Hazak, Hazak, Venish, Hazik. Be strong, be strong, and may we be strengthened. And we need to be strengthened right now, folks. Amen to that. Amen to that. Wow. Man, I'll tell you what, the book of Numbers, I really have. I've just had such a good time. I, you know, I'm thinking that maybe some of you guys have been having a good time with the book of Numbers, too, because there really are a lot of lessons to be learned that are relevant for today. And if you just look around out there in the world, in the news media, on your, your Twitter feed, whatever. Oh, God's got better for you. Man, but you know what? It's just like, it's so relevant. The Torah is so relevant for today. I got to say, it's so funny because the enemy has just stolen God's word out of the hearts of the people when he says that the law is done away with. That, I mean, that doctrine is just straight from the devil. Because think about it. How much joy do we get out of this? And this joy is, is being called bondage. This is being called all kinds of horrible names. And I just, I just, I, it just frustrates me sometimes. I just want to shout it from the rooftops that the Torah is relevant for today. And that the Torah portions are prophetic. I mean, it's just a big deal. Anyways, all right. So thank you guys for listening. Um, I know that... Uh, all of you out there are enjoying this so much that you guys are going to like, share, subscribe, whatever it is you do on the place where you're listening to this, whether it be SoundCloud or the podcast app on Apple. 
um, you know, wherever it is that you get your podcast. Make sure you also, if you've got Facebook, Twitter, the like and all that, uh, please share this out there so that some other folks can pick it up. Um, we're really catching steam. Um, I mentioned that we dropped a little bit after the coronavirus shutdown ended, uh, but we are actually on the climb again, uh, people listening to the podcast. So we're very excited about that. Also, uh, our services are live streamed every Sabbath day. Uh, that's Saturdays, Eastern Standard Time at 11 o'clock. And uh, you can catch those on YouTube, Facebook, uh, or on our website at twopraise.net. Thank you for all of you that are donating to uh, the ministry through our website at twopraise.net. We love you. We thank you guys. Have a great week.